Welcome to We Got Your Mac from SHI. If you're an enterprise executive or business leader trying to decide if Mac adoption at scale is right for your organization, this is the show for you. In each episode, we dive into what it means to adopt the Mac platform at scale and how to get there quickly with minimum disruption to your users and IT teams. This week's hosts are Victoria Barber and Kevin English. Hey, Victoria. Welcome to another show. Hi, Kevin. Good to talk to you again. Since we last talked, you moved house. Is that is that how the Brits say it? Yes, I moved house. Yeah. As you can see from the decor behind me, I've put a lot of effort in so far. Well, congratulations. I figured we. it's been a while since we talked about uh, WWDC. It's been a couple of months since that. And then as of this recording, Wanderlust just happened. So we wanted to talk a little bit about some of those updates, right? It takes a while for it to sink in, you know, what, what the implications are. There's loads of people always talking straight afterwards about what they think is cool. I believe your favorite is usually the emojis and the stickers and things, Kevin. <laughs> I, I was excited about more stickers in my sticker pack. I just want to use them more and more with whoever has iChat. And thanks for sending me your iMessage because uh, I can't do that on WhatsApp. Yeah. But now we've had a little bit of time to think about it, as well as the emojis and the stickers, which obviously make conversations a lot more fun. We've actually had time to think about some of the, the potential impact for business users. And I think the thing that we've talked about most, both between the two of us and with our colleagues, really has been the 15 inch macbook air right yeah and you know it doesn't sound like it's a big innovation but what it does is it takes sort of the macs out of the standard personas so the use cases of creatives and design folks and developers made sense for macbook pro but those are like a couple thousand dollars when you get to a macbook air that's 15 inch that's an m2 that's just as powerful at a thousand dollars that changes the dynamic of the knowledge worker internally. I think it's applicable to way more personas now. Yeah, so I guess it's it's more reasonable to ask people to deploy it at scale, and it's probably going to be easier for people to test as well. I'd love to see if it's actually just as powerful as my current MacBook Pro M1. Um, that's what they're saying. So we should test it. The good news for you, Kevin, is that actually I have heard that you and I have MacBook Air on the way to do some testing on. So we're going to have to come up with some ideas of what to do, and we can then report back on them. I've heard a lot of ideas. When it comes to my desk and it's sitting in front of me and I can put my hands on keyboard, then I'll, I'll believe it. I'm also excited about my iPhone 15 titanium, I think it is. I mean, I, the idea that you're going to be able to create spatial video, I think is a really good idea that that's, that's being put in place, that you with your phone can do it rather than having to wear the Vision Pro headset. There, there were a few people talking about that and saying, well, you know, hang on a minute. Why is that a business um, function in the the iPhone to, to have that spatial video? But I know you talk to a lot of customers about the use of VR in business and actually being able to record spatial video is going to be really important. It's shocking. I mean, I can't tell you what Apple's up to. I have been in virtual reality, augmented reality for the last five or so years with a different ecosystem partner. And I'll tell you, Apple says that this isn't a VR device. It's a head-mounted display that's a spatial computer. So I think that's much broader appeal than just virtual reality and being in a, an immersive experience. You're able to move around and 
leverage different 3D objects on an extended desktop. And so, yeah, if you can capture that with your iPhone and then experience or others can experience it in Vision Pro, we're getting to some Jetsons type stuff here. The other thing that, that I thought was interesting from Wonderlust was the fact that the Apple Watch now has much improved gesture recognition. I talked to you a lot about DEI initiatives, the accessibility of technology, and also the importance of having wearables in asset-intensive industries in as part of safety. And I think the idea that actually you can activate a device with gestures so you're not and with one-handed gestures so you're not having to put yourself in an unsafe situation you're not having to stop and pull out a phone or find a keyboard you can immediately make contact or find information just by tapping your fingers and obviously as a as a corporate device there are a lot of sensors on these watches that can tell you where your employee is you know are they where they should be it tells you whether they're in distress. It tells you whether they've fallen over. There's information there that, well, some people might feel in a corporate environment that's a bit intrusive. People working in dangerous environments might actually be quite pleased that that's being collected. So there is definitely an overlap between the consumer and the business functionality there. I agree. And the thing that you can hang your hat on is the fact that everything is protected by a secure enclave between um, you and, and the Apple product. And so whether you decide to use it for business or use it for consumer, all of your information is protected. I, I'm a big proponent of Apple Watch. I've got one on today. I use it for just as much business as I use it for personal. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see that there's, there's new capabilities coming in, in the new OS. So we talked to Dave in episode two about you know how to work out whether Mac at scale is right for you. And we've been talking about these various devices. I guess one of the things that we're going to need to talk about in more detail is how you decide which devices to use. But I know you've done some work with customers using the Mac evaluation utility. This is an Apple technology that, that you can put on your network to see how ready you are to accept Mac in your environment. So it tells you which ports in your network are closed, which security profiles are going to be challenging as it pertains to deploying Mac at scale. And so it's a free offer. I challenge everybody to at least see what your environment looks like from Apple's perspective. And this utility gives you the ability to do that for free. We'll put the details of that up on the We Got Your Mac website then. I think that's probably the easiest thing to to do so people can find it. And then, as you yeah. said, we're going to have to do some testing. So let's keep working on getting some, getting our hands on some of this stuff. Good to talk to you again, Kevin. And with that, I think it's probably time for us to move on to today's guest interview. So in the last episode, we talked to Dave Groover about how to work out whether Mac at scale is actually the right thing for you to do. And he mentioned the importance of understanding TCO of Mac versus your existing devices. So we've asked him back to tell us more about it and about why you need a proper business case. So thanks for coming back, Dave. Welcome back to We Got Your Mac. Thanks, Victoria. It's good to be back. Oh, well, we learned a lot last time, and so we're, we're keen to understand more. Now, Kevin can't actually join us for this this session, so I'm afraid you've just got me, but I'm looking forward to, to being able to have really in-depth discussion about this because one of the things that Kevin and I discussed, and I know you and I have talked about this before, is that 
actually the lack of a really good solid business case is one of the main reasons that projects don't get off the ground. But it's also often the reason that projects fail. If the business case hasn't considered everything, then you may actually find that the project itself fails partway through. We want to have really just talk more about why it's not enough that the kit that people want is amazing. It's going to make them happier. It's going to make them more productive. What are the other things that we need to consider and why? You touch on it, right? Companies go to implement and they haven't thought through all the ramifications. That business case is that opportunity to think through, think ahead on what are the changes that this is going to introduce? What are the opportunities that are going to be created? What are the challenges I'm going to see? And a business case can encapsulate all that and also deliver it in economic terms, right? Because ultimately we're out here to make money and you got to be able to do that. And if you spend too much, sometimes you can't make enough to offset it. So that becomes an important part of seeing that sort of total picture and where in comes that total cost of ownership. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, money is the language that everybody has in common, right? It, you know, Whether it's spending it or getting it in, it tends to be the common language between the business people, the technologists and the board. Yeah, I mean, we all, whether we're at home or at work, we all live on a budget, right? And so we've got to live within that budget to be successful. So when you start thinking about your business case, and especially around Max, is really focusing on some of the differences that introduces. So First and foremost, the device may cost differently depending on what products you're buying. They may be, in fact, more expensive. In some cases, they may be the same price if you start getting down to those MacBook Air devices, right? So you have to understand that part. You've got to understand what does the support model look like? Do I have to augment my support staff with special skills or do I already have that? You really need to think about hard costs and soft costs, right? There are things I've actually got to spend money on. There's are things that may produce productivity benefits that are a little harder to quantify, but are every bit as valuable if they're accounted for and expressed correctly. If somebody's more productive on a Mac platform because of the nature of their job, if it's easier for them to get the device configured, any of those things, or if it's harder, it could offset that. And that's going to go to their productivity. How valuable are they, you know, throughout the day? This episode of We Got Your Mac is brought to you by SHI Capital the smart way to procure the technology solutions you need. SHI Capital gives you access to cost-effective payment solutions from both SHI and our partners, including Apple Financial Services. SHI Capital makes it simple and affordable to bring new Apple, Windows, and Google devices into your business. For more information, simply search SHI Capital. First of all, we've got to consider the cost. And you mentioned TCO. We all have a tendency to use jargon, but TCO, that's total cost of ownership over the lifetime of the device. So what do you need to take into account when you're calculating that, If you're particularly if you're in this at this point of comparing different device types? You've got to think about what's your upfront purchase cost. That's a key one. How long will you keep that device? Yeah. I may be keeping certain, you know, Windows devices I may keep for three years. Mac devices have really good long life cycles, maybe four or five years. So I've got to break down that upfront cost into an annual cost. That's the first and that's the easiest step along the way. Then you've got to think about, do I need additional software to support this device? Or perhaps do I need less software? Maybe I'm paying for licenses for some Windows devices, 
that aren't appropriate or necessary on the Mac and I can remove that cost. Maybe I need to purchase additional licensing for say a management software, such as something like Jamf. That's an additional cost. So you need to think about those licensing costs. You also need to ensure that the products you already have are licensed. Some licenses can restrict how that product is used across different platforms. That's one of those gotchas, right? If you don't think about that ahead of time, you go to roll it out and it's like, let's go. It's like, wait a minute, we can't run this piece of this critical piece of software on this platform, right? So you need to think about license costs are a very good next step to look at. Yeah. Then you need to think about support costs. Those are probably the, the big ones. Those are sort of your more hard dollar, green dollar items to really consider. You look at the costs and the software piece is very close to my heart. Having spent years in software asset management, yet licenses aren't necessarily just a free-for-all and transferable. So you've got your hardware, you've got your software, you've got any additional products that you might need to invest in to support this. You've potentially got some, maybe some training and some education to deal with that productivity piece. You then get on to the benefits and you know, you've got to, to get that balance between costs and benefits. But one of the things that comes up there is what happens if your IT budget isn't centralized? So you do your business case. You've then got to go to each business unit potentially and say, we've got to find a way of working out how much is paid for by whom. Budgets, where the money lies is a big, is a challenging part. I, I like to start with really try to be very sort of a holistic view. What is net best for the company? Yeah. Is this decision, as I go through these numbers, is this going to be a net benefit for the company for whatever reasons? And if the answer to that is yes, now I've got to work out how to pay for it within my budget structure. And based on your budget structure, you may think about positioning and emphasizing different parts of your business case in different ways. That's a little bit of tap dancing. That's what we do. But you've still got to be genuine to the core numbers. You can emphasize certain parts. A key thing for sure is, you know, if you come in and say, hey, we've decided that this particular platform is advantageous to the business for these, you know, six, seven reasons. But by the way, you're going to pay more up front. And that's in the business unit budget. They buy the devices, centralized IT does its work. You have to know you're going to get some pushback. So you need to be able to express to that business unit what the net advantages are. And ideally, some of those advantages accrue to that business unit in other ways in terms of whether it's productivity, could be employee retention, could be employee engagement. Those are things that the business unit is absolutely paying for. If their employees aren't engaged, if they're having high turnover, that's costing that business unit. If you can deliver a platform that engages and retains employees better, you can off, you can help them understand that this may be a little more upfront investment, creates a better long-term return. Where are the shoes of the other people in your business case, right? Think about if I'm over on this side looking at it, how would I view it? What are the important things to me? Taking the time to understand and talking to those groups to understand what's important to them, that becomes part of your business case and part of how you articulate the benefits. Quite often, finance are the toughest people to get this through. So if you're getting pushback from finance, I guess you know, we're putting numbers on this, but how do you go about really getting finance engaged? One of the ways I think to go into it is don't necessarily go into like, as you're building the business case and you're engaging finance, you're engaging asset management, you're engaging business units, kind of go into it with, hey, we have an idea. This is the concept that we're trying to achieve. We want to work with you to understand if we can find the numbers. 
and engage them in the process. If you go to a finance department with your conclusion, they're going to want to poke holes in your conclusion because they want part of it, you know, sort of that not in my backyard kind of stuff. Engaging them early is a real advantageous part of it because then you're going to understand from that accounting team, that finance team, what's important to them. How do they look at money? You know, looking at it in terms of just today's dollars, net presence value, any of those various accounting things that come into play that can have some influence. So having them involved early, I think is a smart strategic play as you're building the case. And this goes to where you start talking about hard dollar and soft dollar costs. I kind of always feel like the soft dollar costs have to be really good to offset any hard dollar costs. And we had a situation where I was working years ago where there was an economic downturn. We put some restrictions in spending and basically, and this is, you know, 20 years ago, People weren't allowed to get a laptop unless they had the approval of a direct report of the CEO, which pretty much clamped us. A lot of people had desktops. And over, and that was in place for several years. And as time went on, laptops became more competitive with desktops. And one day we were looking at it. And we, did a, we did a real simple pencil line thing that realized that if one of our employees with a laptop got two more hours of productivity per year over the three-year period, so six hours of productivity that would offset the benefit or offset the cost of that laptop versus the desktop plus display. It was a ridiculously small number. When we took that to our CIO at the time, he said, you know, here's, here's the math. Pretty obviously that CIO is a smart guy. And he was like, yeah, that policy's done and that tomorrow. I think part of that really goes to when you're talking about the soft dollar costs, don't overpromise. Yeah. Create soft dollar costs that tell a strong story that any reasonable person is going, yeah, I believe that will happen. I believe we will get that much more productivity, that much more engagement, whatever these factors are. And I quite often used to say to people, you know, you could knock a couple of noughts off the end and divide it by two. And this is where actually, as you said, early engagement with finance helps. Working out what is the template? You probably have a business case template that your organization wants you to use. And also what do they want? And often paying for itself within 12 months is all you need to get a project signed off. Quite often the, the targets for, for getting a business case approved aren't as aggressive as people think, and mm-hmm. it's much more achievable than people think if they do proper discovery and proper assessment of their costs and benefits. There's a timing thing you have to be sensitive to. You've gotta be realistic about the environment that you're playing in when you go to present this business case. Earlier in the budget, the earlier in the budget cycle you can do it, the better. And oftentimes if you're really, you know, if you've really got your act together, you're gonna put this together. If, you know, say you're just on a regular calendar slash fiscal year, this is the time to make sure you have solid business cases about the next year. Because that way you can get the upfront budget allocations you need to achieve the results that you promised to deliver by the end of the year. Going at it, trying to go at it now and say, yeah, we want to start this year, give us the money. You're you're creating a steep hill for yourself that maybe isn't necessary. A little bit of patience and some delivery can really help you. And it's also worth remembering, actually, even when the business case is signed off, there's still quite a lot of upfront work to do. So, you know, you've got to work that into there as well, because it's not like you give me the money and the stuff's going to be deployed and and in, in production straight away. I think you just touched on a really important thing that people miss in their business cases is timing. When you get that approved, that's the starting line. That's not the finish line. And in your business case, you've got to figure out, okay, when I decide I'm going to do this, how long will it take me to get these devices in? Am I cold starting? Is it going to take, maybe it's going to take me six months because I've got to negotiate a new contract or something, or I've got the pipeline ready and I can hit the ground running. 
you need to think about those timings as well. Or if I've got to ramp up help desk support, that doesn't happen overnight. I've got to, if I've got to put in supported specific support infrastructure, that doesn't happen overnight. So that becomes another really key point that sometimes people don't give enough consideration to. And on the benefits point, people tend to forget that they're actually probably going to be asked to report on these benefits. So they need to actually be working out how they are going to measure them. And some of them, the productivity benefits, the employee satisfaction benefits, some of those can be quite hard to measure. So you need to get some agreement up front on what metrics you're going to use. It goes to the whole concept of baseline. And that, frankly, can be part of your business case. We've baselined this level of employee satisfaction, and we've looked at it against industry standards, and we're down here, and the industry is up here. We believe through this project we can get raise this up. So now we've got a baseline to start from. Here's our baseline cost. Here's our baseline. Maybe it's something as simple as with the Mac platform, with something like Apple Business Manager and Enrollment, we can get users up and running much quicker on new devices. Okay, well, how long does it take now? Make sure you baseline and understand that. Then you can describe, we're going to go from here to here. That different rep, difference represents hours of productivity for that user and reduce frustration and reduce calls to the help desk, things like that. Doubt those feed into your business case as part of that TCO. We've covered a lot here, and I'm sure it'll be very helpful for people what would be your top three tips for building a business case out of everything we've discussed? Make sure you've got the green dollars, the hard dollars to support your basic premise and understand where that sits. When it comes to soft dollars, don't overpromise. And then if you exceed that, scream to the high hills about how good you did. And then I think the other one is really think through your timing. Make sure you've thought through the timing of implementation when you'll spend, when you'll get returned. And if I can add a fourth one, just know your audience. Know who you're talking to at various aspects of this business case development. Well, thank you very much, Dave. That's been extremely informative. So with what we discussed last time on how to work out whether this is the right thing to, to, for you to do and what we've discussed now about how to put the business case together, hopefully our listeners will feel they're in a strong position to tell their their their, uh, their audience within their organization what they need to do how much it's going to cost uh, and what the benefits are going to be um thank you very much for your time and i'm sure we will get you back again at some point in the future look forward to any chance to come back and work with you victoria thank you we Got Your Mac is produced by SHI International, a trusted global provider of end-user computing, hybrid infrastructure, and cybersecurity solutions to many of the world's most demanding technology users. SHI has more than 20 years' experience helping private and public sector organizations adopt Apple technologies and is an authorized Apple reseller. To be the first to hear or watch new episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and hit the notifications icon. Visit WeGotYourMac.com or SHI.com to solve what's next in delivering Mac at scale across your organization.